That's right, Mark, turn me on. So. <laughs> oh, there's the screen. Yeah, so there's our um, morning, everybody. Can we start again? Yeah, can, can we bin that last lot? That goes on the cutting room floor. Okay. Yeah. Um, good to see you all uh, this morning. And I hope I sound all right to you this morning. You know, you can always debate about what it is I say and deliberate about that. But for the past week, I've been horribly bunged up in my head with my ears blocked. Things are a little better this morning, but I've kind of lived in a cocoon this week. It's like you've had your head in a biscuit tin, (laughs) you you know. And uh, everybody keeps saying, pardon, pardon. And so I tend to under-speak, I think. You know, and says, I can't hear you, I can't hear you. So, so I'm very sorry. But if you cannot hear me, all right, and the feedback is at unbearable levels because Barney's turning me up, turning me up, just put your hand up and I'll, I'll, I'll try to rectify that. But that's, that's how I am today. So you might want to, you know, put some marks in the column for mitigating circumstances for not being very good this morning or whatever it might be. But this morning, uh, we're thinking about being wise uh, about friendships. I did think uh, this morning, probably had enough laughter and I should get into my subject. I did think this morning about, you know, how can I do an attention getter thinking about being wise about friends and friendships? And um, I thought, should I walk up? you know, with the music cutting in from the Beatles, I'll get by with a little help from my friends. But I didn't think that would go too well with um, the worship songs that we might be singing. And then uh, I went back even further, and for the really geriatrics that are here amongst us this morning, um, Billy Cotton and his band show singing Friends and Neighbours. There's a phrase of you that remember. I won't try to sing it with my head in a bucket type of thing, you know. But um, in the end, I thought, no, that, that, that is probably not appropriate for a morning service at Abbey. So I just looked up a couple of these quotes that's on the Google images. A true friend is the greatest uh, of all blessings. And uh, this morning we were asked to turn to each other and uh, to speak to each other about something that we can bless God for um, in the past week. And friends and friendships that he gives us uh, can be uh, a real blessing to us. And then you get this, and I thought, shall I have this as a sermon outline? You know, the mnemonic, uh, they fight for you, they respect you, they include you, nothing worse than being, you know, rejected and marginalized. They encourage you. They need you, they deserve you, and they stand by you. And I guess we would say that we would look for all of those qualities in someone that we consider to be uh, our friend. And then I thought, perhaps for some of the folks and characters that we've got at uh, Abbey these days, you don't have to be crazy to be my friend, I'll, I'll train you. Oh, I'll train There you go. So... Now, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And this seems to have been uh, uh, the key verse of of this series uh, that we've been having. Right at the very beginning, I think, when we had Darren speaking about being wise, about being wise. Um, 
This was the verse that came in right at the start. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And of course, that is something that applies equally as much to this matter of friends and friendships as to any other part or area of our lives. And uh, I think it's a very important area of our lives. Friends can have such an influence upon us. And uh, they can influence the sort of people that we are, the sort of people that we become. And they can influence our lives for good. And they can also influence our lives for not good, for bad, even for evil and sinfulness. I remember back many years now uh, when uh, in his teens and early 20s, my brother, Dave, who was nine years older than I, so I was very much his kid brother and lived within his shadow, um, was a very keen Christian. Incredibly keen, very enthusiastic. He was very musical and he used his musical gifts for God. But then the time came after he completed his apprenticeship and he was into his early 20s when he had to go into the army to do his national service. And naturally, uh, during that two years of natural service, he was away from home for long periods of time. And during that time, Dave got into the wrong <clears throat> company. And the influence of those friends that he formed in the army took him right away from God, took him right away from the Lord, no interest whatsoever in spiritual things, didn't want to know church or anything to do with being a Christian. And when Dave would come home occasionally from time to time, and it wasn't always when he was on leave that he wanted to come home, because he knew that when he came home, <clears throat> it was a Christian home. Mum and Dad were Christians, and I was following on being a good little boy, although I didn't become a Christian until later myself. But when I can remember that when Dave would come home and sometimes bring one or two of his friends with him, he was not the brother I knew. It was almost like having a visitor in the home. It wasn't like he was my brother at all. I scarcely recognized him as my brother particularly when it came to the character side of who Dave was and what Dave was, and very much his personality. It affected and completely changed him differently, but in a wrong way. And that was because of the friendships he formed when he was in the army. And it took him right away from God. Friends can be very influential, very powerful. Peer pressure can be very powerful indeed and take us right away, as it did with Dave, from walking with God. Thankfully, when he was at the end of his national service, or it may well be that um, when he had come out um, of the army and uh, he started to settle down in civilian life, again, and pick up on his career as a precision engineer, um, an uncle of mine persuaded Dave 
to go to church. He didn't want to. It wasn't where his interests were anymore. Um, but because it was Uncle Bill, all right, and we all loved Uncle Bill in the family. And although Uncle Bill lived in London, he would come to visit family when we lived in Bristol. Um, it was for Uncle Bill's sake <laughs> that Dave kind of said, all right, all right. But when he was at that church, he saw a young lady there <laughs> who, from a distance, just took his fancy. You know? And that was to be the transformation because she was a Christian. And through that friendship that developed, um, uh, they, Dave came back to the Lord and became a very committed Christian again. And uh, they became very close friends. They got engaged. Eventually, they married. All very quickly, actually. I think she was 18, a child bride. And, uh, and I was 17, I think, and uh, I was best man on the day. Didn't have a clue what best men did, but I just kind of had the ring, and that was the important part. And I said thank you to everybody for coming, and that was my speech, I think, in those days. And uh, they married. And they went on um, to live for 12 years by faith, <clears throat> serving the Lord. <clears throat> and they were the first wardens at Hill House, where many of our kids uh, have been uh, this week. So that is friends. Influences for good influences for bad, influences for evil, or friendships that can be a power of good and be a real influencer on our lives. Um, in the uh, Old Testament, uh, after the early chapters, I think it is we come to chapter 11, and it's just like God making a fresh start after creating mankind and mankind falling, sin entering into the world, and uh, man becoming separated from God. And kind of in chapter 11, I think it is, it's as though God makes a fresh start as he calls Abraham from away from the land of Israel uh, to come and to follow him. And uh, that development uh, uh, with Abraham was a, a relationship that developed to the point where God established a covenant with him in which Abraham, if you remember, was going to be the father of a new nation that would be God's people. And uh, it's incredible, really, that through that covenant and through that relationship that developed, it was so significant, affecting the whole of Israel with the establishing of the nation of Israel, that when you come over into the New Testament, to the, the, the letter of James, in chapter 2, uh, James writes, the scriptures was fulfilled, it says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. Wow, when you think of all the sadness of how um, the creation of man and sin enter into the world, and creation being affected, um, you know, through the fall of man, the fall of creation, and all of that, to now have God working in such a way whereby man could begin to know a restored relationship with God and for the depth and quality of that relationship to be such that all those years 
later, all those centuries later, in New Testament times, and after Jesus had lived, there's a guy that writes a letter and said that he was known as the friend of God. I think that was wonderful. I think that is tremendous, that God should work in that way. Now, Abraham wasn't just a one-off in the Old Testament, because you go on later, and uh, you come to uh, Moses. And uh, Exodus 23, it says there that the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend, as one speaks to a friend. And so this way in which the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and here we see that God, even in the Old Testament, after the fall of creation and the fall of man, works in grace and in such a way that we can know a restored relationship with God as our friend. How close is that? How close is that? How intimate is that relationship? Turn over the page and come into the New Testament, and of course we find there God revealing himself in his son Jesus. He that has seen seen me, he says, has seen the Father. Jesus coming uh, to reveal God, reveal his Father. And he came, as we know, to establish the new covenant uh, through when he gave his life for us uh, on the cross at Calvary. And uh, that was going to be something that Jesus did that would not just be for Israel, God's nation, God's people, a kind of sort of enhancing of what had been established through the old covenant with Abraham and so on, that then passed on to generations after, this was going to be for the whole of mankind. This was going to be opened up for the whole of God's creation, for there to be a restored heaven, a restored earth, and an opportunity for mankind to be restored, for God to have a whole global people for himself through all generations. And so it is that John writes in his gospel that well-known verse, God so loved the world. It doesn't just say, God loved Israel. It opens it right out. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. That's everybody having the opportunity to have a close relationship, a restored relationship with God, knowing God uh, as a friend. Of course, as uh, Jesus went about his ministry and he would teach, he would call people to follow him, be his disciples. Um, Not surprisingly, as now, uh, there were those who did respond positively. They became disciples of Jesus. And there were those who did not. Jesus was not for them. Um, And then there were those who started. And as Jesus would begin to talk more and more about what it meant to be a follower of him, what it meant to be a disciple, and it's not easy-peasy, there's a cost involved, then some people would start to turn away. And uh, there was one occasion when Jesus turned to his disciples and uh, taught, and people were turning away from following him. And he says, uh, will you also go away? Will you also go away? And they reply, well, to whom can we go? Where can we go? To whom can we go? You've got the words of eternal life. That's where eternal life 
that leads to a relationship with God and the beginning of wisdom, that is where it all begins. But then Jesus would also talk about the blessings of being one of his disciples. And out of our reading, which we've had this morning, he goes on to say, you are my friends if you do what I command you. You are my friends. Friends of God, Abraham, Moses, all the greats of the Old Testament. And now to whoever believes, Jesus turns and says, um, you, you, me, we are his friends if we do what he commands. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. That's God taking us into his confidence. God entrusted us to go out to be able to serve him. And so it is that the fear of the Lord, through a restored relationship with God, and knowing Jesus as our own personal saviour and friend. That is the point that God wants us to bring us through, through showing his loving grace towards us, in giving his son Jesus, and Jesus giving himself for us upon the cross. And it's when we come to that point, the moment when I know Jesus as saviour, and he then becomes my friend, and I too am a friend of God, this is the beginning of wisdom. It's only at that point that we can begin to be wise as God intends us to know wisdom in our human experience. And there's no wiser decision that we can make in life than for us to come by faith and receive Jesus. It's where it all begins. So how true is that verse? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And that's how we come to the point where we can begin uh, to know it. Now I just want us to think uh, for a few moments about when we become Christians and being part of his church. Um, And uh, the New Testament uses several images to describe the relationship that we have with God in Jesus as being part uh, of his church. And it also says, the Bible says, that when we become a Christian, um, we become family with other believers in the Lord Jesus uh, from a spiritual perspective. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. At Abbey, those of you that have been coming here for ages, you know that to be true. I'm not telling you anything new. But take a step back from that that we're all brothers and sisters in Christ, in the family of God, at the human level, of course, uh, we are not in the same family. (laughs) I'm looking at Chris, listening attentively to me this morning, nodding his head in certain places, shaking his head in others. And, And, you know, we are brothers in Christ. We are brothers in Christ. But I'm not part of the Wintle family, praise God. Um, (laughs) And neither are the Wintles, neither is Chris, part of my family. And he says, praise God. And perhaps that's how we genuinely feel, you know, about it. But praise God, we're in the family of God and we're brothers uh, in Christ. 
um, you're in your family and I am in mine. But being in relationship with God and knowing Jesus as a friend, we are friends together. That sense in which at the human level we are friends together, but because there is a spiritual overlay, <laughs> because we've come to know Jesus, that brings us into the family of God, there is another dimension, I believe, that then comes into the friendships that we have. Normal, everyday friendships that people who go to church uh, have, that those who don't go to church have, that Christians have, that non-Christians have, there is a way in which friendships just operate at the human level. Close relationships, whereby we know each other, we help each other. They visit us, we visit them. We might go on holiday with them. All those things at the human level. But when we are in the family of God, with God as our friend and Jesus as our friend, there is an extra dimension that comes to those friendships that are not in the human realm or in the physical realm, but they're in the spiritual realm. This well is just a concern that I might have for my neighbour who I regard as a friend and helping them out at a time when you know, they need some practical help or them helping us out when we need some practical help and so on. We should have a spiritual concern for each other. There should be a dimension to our friendship whereby we should be able to share the Lord with each other. Well, I not only look out for your physical well-being, but I also have an interest and a concern as to your spiritual well-being. And likewise, you for me. And so, in that relationship, just like we might talk about anybody, with anybody else that was a friend of ours about anything in the physical, sort of human realm, so it should become a natural thing for us to be able to talk to each other at the spiritual level. So that um, if all of a sudden there is somebody in the fellowship with whom I have, I regard I have, you know, a very good relationship. They're not only good friends, but they're real close brothers and sisters in Christ. If there is something that came about in his or her or their life, that caused me spiritual concern, I should be able to feel that I could go and speak to them about that. And when I go and do that, all right, they should appreciate likewise that I do that out of concern for them and that they might have a right walk with God. And they would not regard me as sticking my snout in, in areas which are nothing to do with them. But if they consider that it's an area that they wish to keep private, that they just say that. Please don't go there. But the chances are, more often than not, they'll say, we're glad, we're glad that you mentioned that to us. Can we just have a chat? Or at the very least, Will you pray with us about it? Now, I don't think we're very good at that in Abbey. It might go on, all right, with ones and twos here and there. But I don't think we're generally good at that. 
And it is something that could feature much more, perhaps, in the life of our community groups, as well as in life generally. It shouldn't be that I just feel that I can do it with people in our community group, but uh, it should be, I think, across the face of the church, not just in pockets of the church, here and there. And the reason that I'm talking about this this morning, if you want some biblical authority uh, for it, um, is the way in which certain of the letters were written in the New Testament. For example, now I know that when Paul wrote his letters, when Peter wrote, when John wrote, they wrote with apostolic authority. And so we take that as revelation from God and God's word. But (laughs) they also wrote as brothers in Christ to those who were new churches here, there and everywhere, new Christians. And so Paul in 2 Corinthians 7 would say, Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates the body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. As a friend, as well as with apostolic authority, he speaks into their lives to give counsel and direction concerning their spiritual well-being and how they should be growing and how they should be developing. And then when he wrote to uh, the the church at Philippi, chapter 4, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for my joy and my kind, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. And so in that verse, he uses the spiritual family, brothers and sisters, but he then uses the human relationship level that he had his family and they had theirs, but we are friends of God, special friends, that special dimension. We're able to speak to each other and encourage each other at the spiritual level. Peter, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. John, 1 John 4, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Finally, see that we're supposed to be thinking about the book of Proverbs this morning, but in the brief for this series, we were told that... um, We could use Proverbs as a base and uh, to relate and to connect with other verses of Scripture. Um, There are a number of verses, of course, in Proverbs that have things to say about friendships and friends. Um, If there's a problem with the book of Proverbs, it is, of course, because they are Proverbs, you get one or two verses in this chapter and one or two verses in another chapter. and So it goes on. And so that was why our Bible reading this morning came from John, you know, because I couldn't find a single coherent passage of Scripture um, to do with friends and friendships in Proverbs which related totally to that. And quite apart from that, I, I wanted to follow through on this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, friendship with God, friendship with Jesus, the friendships we have, and and how things should be happening there. 
But when we come to um, the book of Proverbs, um, we find there several verses across the book, that, um, and you can bring them together and group them. For example, um, you'll find there wisdom about choosing friends. And they're good, it's good to read these verses. Proverbs 12, 26. The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. I wish Brother David read that when he went into the army. You know? Because, well, he may have done. He may have done, but he chose to disregard it and paid the price for it. The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Proverbs 14, 20. The poor are shunned by their neighbors. I like this one. But the rich have many friends. Put your hands up if you've got lots of friends this morning. Uh, you're the rich ones in the family. Uh, and, and there is a, a hidden warning, I think, in, in that verse that um, if we're going to have friendships, they need to be friendships for the right reasons. Friendships for the right reasons. Proverbs 22, 24. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one who is easily angered. That's pretty basic in, in down-to-earth. Wisdom about choosing our friends. And then it talks about um, having good friendships. And what makes for good friendships? Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times. A friend loves at all times. Friendships can blow hot and cold. Friendships can be made. Friendships can be broken. But true friends love at all times, through the good times and through the bad. Proverbs 27, verses 9 and 10. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. You know, things are meant to go on into friendships that, that encourage and that build each other up, and it's not just a sort of flippant, superficial thing. Do not forsake your friend or a friend of your family. And do not go to your relative's house when disaster strikes. Better a neighbor nearby than a relative far away. So have some friends that live fairly close to you, you know, so that if your house gets uh, struck with lightning or something like that, you know, your friends in New Zealand aren't going to help you very much, are they? <laughs> so it's very practical, some of this advice. Some of it very profound as well. And then we goes into some of the things that can be a threat to our friendships. Proverbs 16, 28. A perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. Now there's stuff in the New Testament about living our lives as Christians and living lives within the church that warn against us being those people who gossip. Those people have got it. Um, when we gave out um, the, the document about uh, being committed to Abbey Church, from memory, and one of the elders will correct me if I'm wrong on this, there is a little part of it when we talk about how we will behave in the Church of God, that gossip is something that we will not do. Because it can damage. 
it can destroy, it can undermine. It is not a flippant thing at all. Proverbs 17, verse 9. Whoever would foster love covers over an offence, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. It's linked to gossiping, breaking confidences. Sometimes in friendships, and particularly in sensitive matters, there are confidences that need to be observed. And you don't immediately go away, and because you've got a nice, juicy little bit of the latest information about so-and-so in the church, you start saying it to other people. In confidence, of course, and for their prayer, of course. But you know, we, we, we need to be careful. Love covers over an offence, but who repeats the matter separates close friends. Proverbs 18, the last one. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That can happen at the human level, but I think there's a prophetic element in there that goes right back to when I said the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We need to come to that point where we all know Jesus is our friend and saviour, And that is when we can begin to know the beginning of wisdom, God's wisdom, uh, in our lives. As I uh, prepared for this morning, um, I came across uh, a piece on the internet um, that was about being wise in friends, in friendships. And uh, I've, I've edited it and hope that I haven't broken any copyrights. And uh, I've put it on a sheet of paper, and there's a couple of dozen copies that I'll put over on the side over there. That If you want to to take one, uh, you you can. And what it does is is stick in the book of Proverbs. And beyond the sort of more overview type of approach that I've given this morning, it goes into greater depth uh, in Proverbs. The value of friends being a source of comfort, a source of good counsel. The choice of friends, the friends you do not want, friends that you do want. Maintaining friendships, things which disrupt friendships, we've touched on some of that, and solving problems uh, with our friends. So that's on, that's all of a sheet, and I'll put a supply of those over there. But we need to remember, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and applies equally as much to friendships as any other area of our lives. May God bless his word to us this morning and help us in this important area of our lives that it may truly be for his glory and our blessing. Thank you. Back to you, sir.